Welcome to Soil Stories with Nick and Leanna. Episode 10, Soil and Soul. Soil. The way you say soil sounds like soul, as in, after we walked through the woods, my feet were covered in soul. When it rains, the soul turns to mud. The soul is made of decomposed plant and animal matter. Etophology is the study of the soul's influence on living things, while pedology is the study of how soul is formed, its particular granularity. You are rooted in a certain red patch of soul that bled you and your hundred cousins to life, a slow, warm river you call home. Maybe there is soul under everything, even when we strike rock first. The way you say soil, you make a poem out of every speck of dirt. So my name is Irene Mathieu. I, my pronouns are she, her, and the soil that I live on is occupied Monacan territory in what is now called Central Virginia in Charlottesville. I'm an assistant professor of pediatrics. I do general outpatient pediatrics in a primary care clinic at the University of Virginia, and I am a poet as well as a budding novelist and prose uh, nonfiction uh, writer as well. So... I will say, and I think I wrote this in my email, but a student introduced me to specifically your poem, Soil, in I think September of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I can't tell you, like the the hairs on the back of my neck were standing when, up when I was reading it because I did think it's such an amazing poem. And um so I think where I want to first start is, can you tell me more about, first of all, you clearly have a deep knowledge of natural science and of deep interest in connecting the natural world with um, medicine and, and things like that and, and social justice. And where does all that come from for you personally? Well, thank you, first of all, for inviting me to be on this podcast and for reading and appreciating soil. Um that's a great question. Where does it come from? I think for me, I don't see that the two things, the humanities and arts, and then the natural world and sciences are disconnected. I think that we have a false dichotomy between them. And the way that we teach students from very early on is that the two are in direct opposition, or maybe that they complement each other, but they're kind of two separate things. We even joke about right brain and left brain. And from a fairly early age, I think those things were always connected to me. And I remember being in high school and taking kind of higher level math, like calculus and physics classes, and really being amazed at how once you get to a certain level of calculus or physics, or even biology, there's a lot of uncertainty, and it really starts to bleed into philosophy. And I think where that uncertainty and kind of the, therefore the emotional experiences that we have pick up is where the arts come into play. And so to me, it was like a these subjects are all sort of a continuum of different ways of knowing and act- interacting with the world, but one isn't necessarily better than the other. And that's been really um, made clear to me in my work as a physician, because in medical school, you learn biomedical science, which is obviously based on biology, at least in the West. Um, which is based on empirical science. And I think you learn to to privilege and prioritize that type of knowing. But I have learned that just as important as your lab 
values and your vital signs and all of the objective information that you gather about your patients are a mom's gut feeling about her kid or a person's deep experience of trauma they had when they were a child or somebody's memory or the relationships that they have in their life. And so I think placing a priority or an importance on all of the above is really, I think, what makes me be able to hopefully do my job well. Um, So to me, they're all connected. And the name of the book, uh, your book of poetry that the poem Soil is in is called Orogeny, which for those people who don't know the technical definition of the term is related to the folding and deformation or uplift of mostly the earth's crust into mountains. Mm -hmm. So what is the connection between the title of your book and the contents of it? What were you trying to wrap together? Yeah. So when I first started writing this book, I had a central character in mind who was Pangea. And there's a series of poems in the book that are basically named for or in the voice of Pangea. And I imagined Pangea to be very literally the first continent um, right before the before it split apart into separate continents. But I also imagine her as this kind of all-knowing Mother Earth goddess kind of figure. And she serves as this sort of omniscient narrator who's watching what humans are doing and commenting on it, but also um, adding her own perspective as the literally the soil and the earth that we walk on. And so Orogeny is mostly a commentary on a lot of social events that were going on during the period of time that I wrote it, which was basically 2014 to 2016, 2017. And so there's a lot of current events and a lot of poems after various things that were in the news. But um, the Pangea character got me thinking a lot about geology and continent formation. And so I, I think I just kind of naturally started delving into the science of that a little bit more. So I use some technical terms in soil and other poems in the book that I did not know beforehand. I don't have a geology background, but as I was writing about this, I I guess I was thinking if I have this mother earth character, then I need to understand not just the social and humanities perspective of the earth, but also the natural science perspective. So I have to understand how continents are made or what the study of soil is called. Um, So I think my natural curiosity just kind of pushed me to explore both things. Well, that was one of the things that really um, grabbed me in in your poem. And obviously, I'm very biased because I am a pedologist, but I never expected the word pedology to be in a poem. <laughs> um, first of all, because most people don't even know what it really means or that, you know, the sub-discipline of soil science. And, um, and then also, I never imagined that it could fit into... A poem, you know, just because it's it's an ology word, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, so that kind of like really grabbed me. And so I was thinking when I was reading it, I was like, did you do some sort of? Did you take soils classes, or did you uh, have some sort of experiences um, that led to this, you know, much deeper knowledge? Or I, I guess maybe it was just your research for the poem. Yeah, it was just my research for the poem. I have no, I never took a geology background uh, class. I have no geology background whatsoever. So um, this was really just me writing a poem and deciding I need to know what the study of soil science is called, because that's what the word that needs to go here in this poem. And actually, my first book, which is a chat book, so that's a shorter collection of poetry, which is called The Galaxy of Origins. 
has several other poems too that have a lot of um, sort of esoteric scientific references that I had to look up because I felt like that was the best way to explain the metaphor that I was trying to create. So one thing that um, I don't know what it's like as a creator of poetry, having people read your poems and, you know, especially with poetry, people interpret poems in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you have in your head a way that you want people to interpret a certain poem and you're trying to get that central message across or are you kind of creating something from your own perspective just for it to live in the world and let it be interpreted as it may by whoever reads it? I think more so the latter. I think it's hard to be able to anticipate all of the interpretations or readings of your poem by somebody else. Because when you read a poem, you bring to it all of your own knowledge and experiences and biases and and ideas. And so the interpretations of a poem may vary from person to person. I mean, some poems they have a very clear message and the vast majority of people will at least come to one basic conclusion. But I'm always amazed. And one of the most fun parts for me in sharing my work is hearing other people's reads of my poems. And sometimes other people have come up with interpretations or recognized connections in my poems that I didn't even know were there. And so that's one of the most exciting things about sharing my work. And I think the best poems are the ones that kind of open up people's imaginations and are open to um, maybe different interpretations. I don't know what your core intent was when you were writing the poem, or what what the meaning of it is to you. But I'd I'd be willing. I'd really be interested in hearing uh, that perspective from you. Sure. I think at its heart, soil is actually a love poem. So I got the idea to write this poem because my partner is from Farmville, Virginia, and it's a very isolated southern town. Um, in South Central Virginia, and his family has been there for something like 200 years. And so they have a very specific accent in that town to the point that sometimes I can't understand what people in his family are saying 100%. And I was fascinated by this because I love language, obviously. And so the first few times I visited him and met his family, I was just so interested in the linguistic patterns and in the differences in the way people would say things or the phrases they would use. And one thing that really struck me is the way that he would say soil because to me, it sounded like soul. And so that's where the original idea for this poem came from. And I thought, well, what if, um, what if every time he was saying soil, he was actually saying soul, he would say something like, Oh, when I was a kid, my cousins and I used to go out and in the woods, and we love to play in the soul. And I would think, wow, that that sounds really interesting. If you actually think about it, like S O U L. So that was the impetus of the poem. And um, I just kind of ran with it. And I guess one of my intentions was to highlight the beauty of that accent, which was very foreign to me and still kind of is a little bit foreign, but um, how within that accent, there is so much poetry. And my partner talked about, um, you know, being younger and feeling like if you have sort of a country accent, there's a stigma against it, especially Southern country accents. There's such a stigma or an assumption that somebody who speaks that way must be uneducated and not very deep or, you know, they're simple minded. And we see that stereotype perpetuated in in culture, but I, I wanted to turn that on its head and think, what if this type of accent is actually teaching us something really 
meaningful and important because we can access language in a different way um, by hearing the way people from that town speak as compared to the way I speak, for example. I think soil is one of those things that people who are not soil scientists sort of overlook and take for granted, but it's it's really the primordial substrate. Like everything that we eat that keeps us alive comes from soil. And um, I don't I mean, you know, the details of this way more than I do, but soil health like shapes the entire ecology of a place. From your perspective, you know, professionally um, and the experiences that you've had and especially public health and uh, more global perspective, how, you know, how does human health relate to environmental health and natural resources? And what are the opportunities that we are missing, um, particularly when it comes to like, you know, children? Mm. Well, I don't think they're just related. I think they're one and the same. They're inseparable. Um, I think that we are, we forget that we are a part of nature. I think our society in the United States anyway, is set up to make us feel like we are separate and nature is this thing outside that we interact with. And I think that's wrong. I think we are physically a part of nature. The underlying metaphor that I was trying to get at in erogeny is that I think part of the um, part of this baseline for most of us probably who live in this space of separateness, where we think that we're this separate, special kind of animal that lives in buildings and has societies. Um, I think part of that results in this deep psychic grief, and at least for me, I can speak for myself. And for a lot of my life, I experienced it as a grief from being separated from the place where my family is from, which is New Orleans, because my grandparents moved from New Orleans to the D.C. area in the mid-50s, um, the 1950s. So I didn't ever really experience New Orleans as a home place, but I did experience it through my grandparents' stories and through traditions that have been passed down in culture, and it's why my name is French. And so for a long time, I think that I couched it that grief just in the, in the sense of, oh, well, it's because I don't live in New Orleans or my family left that place that we were from where we had a community. And even though it's now a couple generations later, I think part of it is, yes, I'm still sort of missing that part of my heritage or my family background. But I also think that it's, it's about missing the land in a way that doesn't really have anything to do with the political boundaries of a place or the culture of a place and more about how I'm relating to the earth that I currently occupy. And um, so I'm now I, I think I'm more interested in questions of, well, then how do I heal that relationship? And how do I get back to that connection where I don't feel like I'm separate from nature, even though I still do live in society and I live in a building and I go to work in a building. And frankly, I don't love, you know, bees <laughs> if, at, when I'm outside. I don't want to get that. <laughs> right. like, I think we kind of inherit because we're told, oh, these things are scary about being outside. Um, and I don't have the chops to, you know, garden enough to be self-sustaining. But how do I find ways to heal that relationship for myself enough that I can, A, live sustainably and B, kind of mitigate that deep ecological grief? And I think what I was trying to do with erogeny is create a metaphor um, and and compare that separation from nature as similar to how we separate our, from each other and how we have created these tribes and nations or these other um, really constructed identities that hold us together as 
in-group versus out-group, right? At a basic level, it's your family. If you have some limited resources, you're going to share them with your family, like your blood family, and then maybe you'll extend it to your your neighborhood or whatever social group you consider yourself to be most part of. Maybe it's an ethnic group or a linguistic group. And if you have a little bit more, maybe you'd share with your whole town, maybe you'd share with your whole country, but it's, you know, your country first and all the other countries are kind of second. And so we just, I think human beings naturally split themselves into tribes in some way or another, but I think that that can be so problematic because that's why we end up with such intense conflicts um, around the world. And so I was trying to to draw those metaphors of those two types of separation. I think I speak for myself, but I think there's a lot of folks in the uh, soils sub community, and I should even say the pedology sub sub community <laughs> um, that are really uh, struck by your work. I think it's really important to have people who are not in our field um, coming at things from a completely different perspective and producing these really amazing things. So, um, I just, I really appreciate it. And, and it's been really fun, uh, talking to you and learning about your life a little bit. Thank you, Nick. It's been an honor to be here. And I think one of the most fun things that's happened as a result of that poem is connecting with a lot of soil scientists, mostly online who have read the poem and gotten something out of it. And, that was an outcome I definitely did not anticipate when I wrote the poem. So it's been really beautiful um, seeing how it connects with people. Till next time, you guys. Be well. Be safe. And be smart. <laughs>